irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Water on Mars exists today almost exclusively as ice, though it also exists in small quantities as vapor in the atmosphere. And ever so occasionally, as low-volume liquid brines in shallow Martian soils. The only place where water ice is visible at the surface is at the northern polar ice cap. Abundant water ice is also present beneath the permanent carbon dioxide ice cap at the Martian South Pole and in the shallow subsurface at more temperate latitudes. More than 5 million cubic kilometers of ice have been identified at or near the surface of modern Mars, enough to cover the whole planet to a depth of 35 meters. Even more ice is likely to be locked away in the deep subsurface of the planet. Some liquid water may occur transitionally on Mars' surface today, but only under certain conditions. No large standing bodies of liquid water exists because the atmospheric pressure at the surface averages just 600 pascals, or 0.087 psi, about six-tenths of one percent of the Earth's mean sea level pressure. And because the global average temperature is far too low, at 210 degrees Kelvin, or minus 63 degrees Celsius, 
leading to either rapid evaporation, known as sublimation, or rapid freezing. Before about 3.8 billion years ago, Mars may have had a denser atmosphere and higher surface temperatures, allowing vast amounts of liquid water on the surface, possibly including a large ocean, that may have covered an astounding one-third of the planet. Water has also apparently flowed across the surface of Mars for short periods, at various intervals more recently in its history. On December 9, 2013, NASA reported that, based on evidence from the Curiosity rover studying Aeolus Paulus, Gale Crater, contained an ancient freshwater lake, which could have been a hospitable place for microbiotal, microbial life. Many lines of evidence indicate that water is abundant on Mars and has played a significant role in the planet's geologic history. The present-day inventory of water on Mars can be estimated from spacecraft imagery, remote sensing techniques such as spectroscopic measurements, radar, and the like, and surface investigations from land and rovers, from landers and rovers. Geologic evidence of past water includes enormous outflow channels carved by floods, ancient river valley networks, deltas and lake beds, and the detection of rocks and minerals on the surface that could have only formed in liquid water. Numerous geomorphic features suggest the presence of ground ice, known as permafrost here on Earth, and the movement of ice in glaciers both in the recent past and present. Gullies and slope linea along cliffs and crater walls suggest that flowing water continues to shape the surface of Mars, although to a far less degree than in the ancient past. Although the surface of Mars was periodically wet, and could have been hospitable to microbial life billions of years ago. The current environment at the surface is dry and sub-freezing, probably presenting an insurmountable obstacle for living organisms today. In addition, Mars lacks a thick atmosphere, ozone layer, and magnetic field, allowing solar and cosmic radiation to strike the surface unimpeded. The damaging effects of ionizing radiation on cellular structure is another one of the prime limiting factors on the survival of life on the surface. Therefore, the best potential locations for discovering life on Mars may be in subsurface environments. Understanding water on Mars is vital to assess the planet's potential for harboring life, 
and for providing usable resources for future human exploration. For this reason, Follow the Water was the science theme of NASA's Mars Exploration Program in the first decade of the 21st centuries. Discoveries by the 2001 Mars Odyssey, Mars Exploration Rovers, Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, and Mars Phoenix Lander have been instrumental in answering key questions about water's abundance and distribution on Mars. The ESA's Mars Express Orbiter has also provided essential data in this quest. The Mars Odyssey, Mars Express, Opportunity Rover, and Mars Science Lander Curiosity Rover are still sending back data from Mars, and discoveries continue to be made. So basically what they're saying is, even though Mars is unhospitable to, to life as we know it, billions of years ago, Mars was just like Earth with an ocean and glaciers and rain and rivers and deltas. That's really amazing. Let's get some historical background on Mars. The notion of water on Mars precedes the space age by hundreds of years. Early telescopic observations correctly assumed that the white polar caps and clouds were indications of water's presence. For many years, the dark regions visible on the surface were interpreted as oceans. These observations, coupled with the fact that Mars has a 24-hour day, led astronomer William Herschel to declare in 1784 that Mars probably offered its inhabitants a situation in many respects similar to our own. By the start of the 20th century, most astronomers recognized that Mars was far colder and drier than Earth. The presence of oceans was no longer accepted, so the paradigm changed to an image of Mars as a dying planet with only a meager amount of water. The dark areas which could be seen to change seasonally were now thought to be tracts of vegetation. The man most responsible for popularizing this view of Mars was Percival Lowell, He lived from 1855 to 1916, who imagined a race of Martians constructing a network of canals to bring water from the poles to the inhabitants at the equator. Although generating tremendous public enthusiasm, Percival Lowell's ideas were rejected by most astronomers. The consensus of the scientific establishment at the time is probably best summarized by English astronomer Edward Walter Mulder, who lived from 1851 to 1928, and compared the climate of Mars to conditions atop a 20,000-foot peak on an Arctic island, where only lichen might be expected to survive. 
In the meantime, many astronomers were refining the tool of planetary spectroscopy in the hope of determining the composition of the Martian atmosphere. Between 1925 and 1943, Walter Adams and Theodore Dunham at the Mount Wilson Observatory tried to identify oxygen and water vapor in the Martian atmosphere with generally negative results. The only component of the Martian atmosphere known for certain was carbon dioxide, or CO2, which was identified spectroscopically by Jared Kuiper in 1947. Water vapor was not unequivocally detected on Mars until the year 1963. The composition of the polar caps, assumed to be water ice since the time of Cassini in 1666, was questioned by a few scientists in the late 1800s who favored CO2 ice because of the planet's overall low temperature and apparent lack of appreciable water. This hypothesis was confirmed theoretically by Robert Lighton and Bruce Murray in 1966. Today we know that the winter caps at both poles are primarily composed of CO2 ice, but that a permanent or perennial cap of water ice remains during the summer atop the North Pole. At the Southern Pole, a small cap of CO2 ice remains during summer, but this cap too is underlain by water ice. The final piece of the Martian climate puzzle was provided by Mariner 4 in 1965. Grainy television pictures from the spacecraft showed a surface dominated by impact craters, which implied that the surface was very much very old and had not experienced the level of erosion and tectonic activity seen on Earth. Little erosion meant that liquid water had probably not played a large role in the planet's geomorphology for billions of years. Furthermore, the variations in the radio signal from the spacecraft as it passed behind the planet allowed scientists to calculate the density of the atmosphere. The results showed an atmospheric pressure less than 1% of Earth at sea level, effectively precluding the existence of liquid water, which would rapidly, rapidly, rapidly boil or freeze at such low pressures. Thus, a version of Mars was born of a world much like the Moon, but with just a wisp of an atmosphere to blow the dust around. This view of Mars would last nearly another decade until Mariner 9 showed a much more dynamic Mars, with hints that the planet's past environment was more element than the present one. On January 24, 2014, NASA reported that current studies on Mars by the Curiosity and Opportunity rovers will now be searching for evidence of ancient life, including a biosphere based on autotrophic, chemiotrophic, and or chemolithoautotrophic microorganisms, as well as ancient water, including 
fluvio-lacristine environments, which are plains related to ancient rivers or lakes that may have been habitable. For many years, it was thought that the observed remains of floods were caused by the release of water from a global water table. But research published in 2015 reveals regional deposits of sediment and ice emplaced 400 million years earlier to be the source. Depositions of sediment from rivers and glacial melt filled giant canyons beneath primordial oceans contained within the planet's northern lowlands. It was the water preserved in these canyon sediments that was later released as great floods, the effects of which we can see today. Today, it is widely accepted that Mars had an abundant water very early in its history, but all large areas of liquid water have since disappeared. Why? We don't know. A fraction of this water is retained on modern Mars as both ice and locked into the structure of abundant water-rich materials, including clay minerals known as phyllosilicates and sulfates. Studies of hydrogen isotopic ratios indicate that asteroids and comets from beyond 2.5 astronomical units provide the source of Mars's water, which currently totals 6% to 27% of the Earth's present ocean. The primary rock type on the surface of Mars is basalt, a fine-grained igneous, igneous rock made up mostly of the mafic silicate mineral olivine, proxene, and plagioclase feldspar. When exposed to water and atmospheric gases, these minerals chemically weathered into new secondary minerals, some of which may incorporate water into their crystalline structures, either as H2O or as, I, as hydroxyl, OH. Examples of hydrated or hydroxylated minerals include the iron hydroxide geothite, a common component of terrestrial soils, the evaporate minerals gypsum and kearsrite, opaline silica, and phyllosilicates, also called clay minerals, such as kaolinite and montemorlionite. All of these minerals have been detected on Mars. One direct effect of chemical weathering is to consume water and other reactive chemical species, taking them from mobile reservoirs like the atmosphere and hydrosphere and sequestering them into rocks and minerals. The amount of water in the Martian crust stored is hydrated minerals is currently unknown, but may be quite large. For example, 
mineralogical models of the rock outcroppings examined by instruments on the Opportunity rover at Meridini Planum suggest that the sulfate deposits there could contain up to 22% water by weight. On Earth, all chemical weathering reactions involve water to some degree. Thus, many secondary minerals do not actually incorporate water, but still require water to form. Some examples of anhydrous secondary minerals include many carbonates, some sulfates, and metallic oxide, such as the iron oxide mineral hematite. On Mars, a few of these weathering products may theoretically form without water or with scant amounts present as ice or in the thin molecular scale films known as monolayers. The extent to which such exotic weathering processes operate on Mars is still uncertain. Minerals that incorporate water or form in the presence of water are generally termed aqueous minerals. Aqueous minerals are sensitive indicators of the type of environment that existed when the minerals formed. The ease which with these aqueous reactions occur depends on the pressure, temperature, and the concentration of gaseous and soluble species involved. Two important properties are pH and oxidation reduction potential, or EH. For example, the sulfate mineral gyrosite forms only in low pH, highly acidic water. Phyllosilicates usually form in water of neutral to high pH, or alkaline. EH, oxygen oxidation reduction potential, EH, is a measure of the oxidation state of an aqueous system. Together, EH and pH indicate the types of minerals that are thermodynamically most likely to form from a given set of aqueous components. Thus, past environmental conditions on Mars, including those conducive to life, can be inferred from the types of minerals present in the rocks. Aqueous minerals can also form on the subsurface by hydrothermal fluids migrating through pores and fissures. The heat source driving a hydrothermal system may be nearby magma bodies or residual heat from large impacts. One important type of hydrothermal alteration in the Earth's oceanic crust is serpentinization, which occurs when seawater migrates through ultramafic and basaltic rocks. The water-rock reactions result in the oxidation of ferrous iron in olivine and proxene to produce ferric irons as the mineral magnetite. Yielding molecular hydrogen, H2, as a byproduct, the process creates a highly alkaline and reducing low EH environment favoring the formation of certain phyllosilicates or serpentine materials and various carbonate minerals, which, 
together form a rock called serpentinite. The hydrogen gas produced can be an important energy source for chemosynthetic organisms or it can react with the CO2 to produce methane gas, a process that has been considered as a <clears throat> non-biological source for the trace amounts of methane reported in the Martian atmosphere. Serpentine minerals can also store a lot of water as hydroxyl in their crystal structure. A recent study has argued that that hypothetical serpentines in the ancient highland crust of Mars could hold as much as 500 meter thick global equivalent layer of water. Although some serpentine materials have not been deduced on Mars or detected, no widespread outcroppings are evident from remote sensing data. This fact does not preclude the presence of large amounts of serpentinite that hidden at depth in Martian crust. The rates at which primary minerals convert to secondary aqueous minerals vary. Primary silicate minerals crystallize from magma under pressure and temperature, vastly higher than conditions at the surface of the planet. When exposed to a surface environment, these minerals are out of equilibrium and will tend to interact with available chemical components to form more stable mineral phases. In general, the silicate minerals that crystallize at the highest temperature, solidifying first in a cooling magma, weather the most rapidly. On the Earth and Mars, the most common mineral to meet this criterion is olivine which readily weathers to clay minerals in the presence of water. Olivine is widespread on Mars, suggesting that Mars's surface has not been pervasively altered by water. Abundant geological evidence suggests otherwise. Over 60 meteorites have been found that have come from Mars. Some of them contain evidence that they were exposed to water when on Mars. Some Martian meteorites called basaltic shergotites appear from the presence of hydrated carbonates and sulfates to have been exposed to liquid water prior to ejection into space. It has been shown that another class of meteorites, the nacolites, were suffused with water liquid around 620 million years ago and that they were ejected from Mars around 10.75 million years ago by an asteroid impact. They fell to Earth within the last 10,000 years. So basically what they're saying is almost 11 million years ago a random asteroid hit the surface of Mars. It hit it so hard it threw ejecta out from the Mars soil out into space. And from 11 million years ago to the last 10,000 years is the time it took for those ejecta to finally, those 60 pieces of Martian rock, to find their way to the planet Earth. That is truly amazing. Amazing. 
In another uh, tidbit of information, most of those meteorites are found in Antarctica because it's all ice, white, white, white. And then if you have an, a piece of rock on top of it, you know that that's not local. That's from somewhere else. And that's how we find Martian meteorites. You also might remember back in 1996, a group of scientists reported that the possible presence of microfossils in the Allen Hills 84001, a meteorite from Mars. Many studies disputed the validity of the fossils. It was found that most of the organic matter in the meteorite was of terrestrial origin. In 1971, Mariner 9 spacecraft caused a revolution in our ideas about water on Mars. Huge river valleys were found in many areas. Images showed that floods of water broke through dams, carved deep valleys, eroded grooves into bedrock, and traveled thousands of kilometers. Areas of branch streams in the southern hemisphere suggested that rain fell, rain once fell. The number of recognized valleys has increased through time. Research published in June 2010 mapped 40,000 river valleys on Mars, roughly quadrupling the number of river valleys that had previously been identified. Martian water-worn features can be classified into two distinct cases. Dendritic or branched, terrestrial scale, widely distributed, no ancient age, valley networks, and two, exceptionally large, long, single-thread, isolated, Hesperian age outflow channels. Recent work suggests that there may also be a class of currently enigmatic, smaller, younger channels in the mid-latitudes, perhaps associated with the occasional local melting of ice deposits. Some parts of Mars show inverted, inverted relief. This occurs when sediments are deposited on the floor of a stream and then become resistant to erosion, perhaps by cementation. Later, the area may be buried. Eventually, erosion removes the covering layer, and the former streams become visible since they are resistant to erosion. Mars Global Surveyor found several examples of this process. Many inverted streams have been discovered in various regions of Mars, especially in the Medusae Fosse Formation, Mayomoto Crater, Sakaki Crater, and the Juvenente Plateau. A variation of lake basins have been discovered on Mars. 
Some are comparable in size to the largest lakes on Earth, such as the Caspian Sea, the Black Sea, and Lake Bacal. Lakes that were fed by valley networks are found in the southern highlands. There are places that are closed depressions with river valleys leading into them. These areas are thought to have once contained lakes. One is in Terra Serenum, which had its overflow move through Madanim Valleus into Gustav Crater, explored by the Mars Exploration Rover Spirit. Another is near Parana Vallis and Lori Vallis. Some lakes are thought to have formed by precipitation, while others were formed by groundwater. Lakes are estimated to have existed in the Arginine Basin and the Hellas Basin, and maybe in the Vallis Marineris. It is likely that, at times, in the Nonchian, many, many craters hosted lakes. These lakes are consistent with a cold, dry, hydrological environment somewhat like that of the Great Basin of the western USA during the last glacial maximum. Research from 2010 suggests that Mars also had lakes along parts of the equator, although earlier research had showed that Mars had a warm and wet early history that has long since dried up. These lakes existed in the Hesperian epoch, a much later period. Using detailed images from NASA's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, the researchers speculate that there have been, may have been increased volcanic activity, meteorite impacts, or shifts in Mars' orbit during this period to warm Mars' atmosphere enough to melt the abundant ice present in the ground. Volcanoes would have released gases that thicken the atmosphere for a temporary period, trapping more sunlight and making it warm enough for liquid water to exist. In this study, channels were discovered that connected lake basins near Eris Valialis. When one lake filled up, its water overflowed the banks and carved the channel to a lower area where another lake would form. These dry lakes would be targets to look for evidence or biosignatures of past life. On September 27, 2012, NASA scientists announced that the Curiosity rover found direct evidence for an ancient stream bed in the Gale Crater, suggesting an ancient, vigorous flow of water on Mars. In particular, analysis of the now dry stream bed indicate that the water ran at 3.3 kilometers an hour, or 0.92 meters per second, possibly at hip depth. Proof of running water came in the form of rounded pebbles and gravel fragments that could have only been weathered by strong liquid currents. Their shape and orientation suggest long-distant transports from above the rim of the crater, where a channel named Peace Valleus feeds into an alluvial fan.
Scientists have found a number of examples of deltas that formed in Martian lakes. Finding deltas is a major sign that Mars once had a lot of liquid water. Deltas usually require deep water over a long period of time to form. Also, the water level needs to be stable to keep sediment from washing away. Deltas have been found over a wide geographical range. Though there is some indication that deltas may have been concentrated around the edges of the punitive former northern ocean of Mars. By 1979, it was thought that outflow channels formed a single catastrophic rupture of surface water reservoirs, possibly sealed by ice discharging colossal quantities of water across an otherwise arid Mars surface. In addition, evidence in favor of heavy or even catastrophic flooding is found in the giant ripples in the Asbathka Vias. Many outflow channels began at chaos or chasma features, providing evidence for the rupture that could have breached a subsurface ice seal. The branching valley network of Mars are not consistent with formation by sudden catastrophic release of groundwater, both in terms of their dendritic shapes, which do not come from a single outflow point, and in terms of the discharge which apparently flowed along them. Instead, some scientists have argued that they were formed by slow seepage of groundwater from the subsurface essentially as springs, In the support of this interpretation, the upstream ends of many valleys in such networks began with box canyon or amphitheater heads, which on Earth are typically associated with groundwater seepage. There is also little evidence of finer scale channels or valleys at the tips of the channels, which some scientists have interpreted as showing the flow appeared suddenly from the subsurface with appreciable discharge rather than accumulating gradually across the surface. Others has disputed the strong link between amphitheater heads of valleys and formation by groundwater for terrestrial examples and have argued that the lack of fine-scale heads to valley network is due to the removal by weathering or impact gardening Most authors and scientists accept that most valley networks are at least partially influenced and shaped by groundwater seep processes. Groundwater also plays a vital role in controlling broad-scale sedimentation patterns and processes on Mars. According to this hypothesis, groundwater with dissolved minerals came to the surface in and around craters and helped to form layers by adding minerals especially sulfate, and cementing sediments. In other words, some layers may be formed by groundwater rising up, depositing minerals, and cementing existing, loose, alleolian sediments. The hardened layers are consistent, consequently more protected from erosion. 
This process may incur instead of layers forming under lakes. A study published in 2011 using data from the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter showed that the same kind of sediments exist in a large area that includes the Arabia Terra and has been argued that areas which we know from satellite remote sensings are rich in sedimentary rocks as are those areas which are most likely to experience groundwater upwelling on a regional scale. There is a hypothesis that Mars once had an ocean. The Mars Ocean Hypothesis states that nearly a third of the surface of Mars was covered by an ocean of liquid water early in the planet's geologic history. This primordial ocean, dubbed Paleo Ocean and Oceanus Boralis, would have filled the Mastisus Boralis Basin in the northern hemisphere, a region which lies four to five kilometers or two to three miles below the mean planetary elevation at a time period of approximately 3.8 billion years ago. Evidence for this ocean includes geographic features resembling ancient shorelines and chemical properties of the Martian soil and atmosphere. Early Mars would have required a denser atmosphere and warmer climate to allow liquid water to remain at the surface. Features shown by the Viking orbiters in 1976 revealed two possible ancient shorelines near the pole, Arabia and Deuteronomus, each thousands of kilometers long. Several physical features in the present geography of Mars suggest that the past existence of a primordial ocean. Networks of gullies that merge into larger chemical channels imply erosion by liquid agent and resemble ancient riverbeds on Earth. Enormous channels 25 kilometers wide and several hundred meters deep appear to direct flow from underground aquifers in the southern uplands into the northern lowlands. Much of the northern hemisphere of Mars is located at a significantly lower elevation than the rest of the planet, and it is usually flat. This observation led a number of scientists to look for remnants of more ancient coastlines and further raised the possibility that such an ocean once existed. In 1987, it was published the hypothesis of a primordial Mars ocean, dubbed Paleo-Ocean. The ocean hypothesis is important because the existence of large bodies of liquid water in the past would have had a significant impact on Martian climate, habitability, potential, and implications for search for evidence of past life on Mars. Beginning in 1998, Scientists Michael Mallon and Kenneth Eggett set out to investigate with high-resolution cameras on board the Mars Global Surveyor 
with a resolution five to ten times better than those of the Viking spacecraft, in places that would test shorelines proposed by others in the scientific literature. Their analysis were inconclusive at best, and reported that the shoreline varies in elevation by several kilometers, rising and falling from one peak to the next for thousands of miles. These trends cast doubt on whether these features truly mark a long-gone seacoast and have been taken as arguments against the Martian shoreline and Martian ocean hypothesis. The Mars Orbiter Laser Altimeter, or otherwise known as MOLA, which accurately determined in 1999 the altitude of all parts of Mars, found that the watershed for an ocean on Mars would cover three-quarters of the planet. The unique distribution of crater types below 2,400-meter elevation at the Vastius Borealis was studied in 2005. The researchers suggested that erosion involved significant amounts of sublimation and that an ancient ocean at that location would have encompassed, encompassed a volume of 6 times 10 to the 7th kilometers cubed. In 2007, it was proposed a geophysical model that, after adjustment for true polar wander caused by mass redistributions from volcanism, the Martian Paleo shorelines first proposed in 1987 meet this criterion. The model indicates that these undulating Martian shorelines can be explained by the movement of Mars' spin axis. Because spinning objects bulge at the equator, the polar wanderer would have caused the shoreline elevation to shift in a similar way as observed. Their model does not attempt to explain what caused Mars' rotation axis to move relative to the crust. Research published in 2009 shows a much higher density of stream channels than formerly believed. Regions on Mars with the most valleys are comparable to what is found on Earth. In the research, the team developed a computer program to identify valleys by searching for U-shaped structures in topographical data. The large amount of valley network strongly supports rain on the planet in the past. The global pattern of the Martian valleys could be explained with a big northern ocean. A large ocean in the northern hemisphere would explain why there is a southern limit to the valley network. The southernmost region of Mars, furthest from the water reservoir, would get little rainfall and would develop no valleys. In a similar fashion, the lack of rainfall would explain why Martian valleys became shallower from north to south. A 2010 study of deltas on Mars revealed that 17 of them are found at the altitude of a proposed shoreline for a Martian ocean. This is what would be expected if the deltas were all next to a large body of water. Research published in 2012 using data from Mars, a radar on board the Mars Express Orbiter, supports the hypothesis of an extinct large northern ocean. The instrument revealed a dielectric constant 
on the surface that is similar to those of low-density sedimentary deposits, of massive deposits to ground to ice, or a combination of the two. The measurements were not like those of lava-rich surfaces. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.